Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see your smiling faces out there. Did you come ready to receive the word of the Lord this morning? Yes. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm uh, in this series called At Face Value, and what we've been doing is just looking at the values of our church. Values are distinctives. Uh, they're what sets you apart from the world, gives you a sense of identity, defines who you are, and they are important that you revisit them. It's important to highlight them. So that's what I'm covering in this series. You know, we are building a church culture here. Every church has its own culture. It's sort of like uh, when you come into someone's home and it has a certain smell. If they haven't had the windows open, that home stinks. <laughs> Hopefully the church doesn't smell, right? So we're building a culture, and I, I think it's a loving, wonderful culture. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to read a verse here in the fifth verse. This kind of sets us up. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for a wonderful, loving group of people who are motivated by you to serve you, grow with you, follow you wherever you are. And when you move on us, we want to be people whose hearts is open. And we just thank you, Lord, for keeping us in a sensitive place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. So, you know, I remember getting married to Elizabeth, and I was, I was scared. Uh, she had a substantial student loan bill, and, you know, we immediately went to work paying that thing off. And I remember one Sunday... Years and years ago, I, I had a woman came up to me and she said, I want to give you some money for that, towards that student loan bill. So she made a check out to him and it was a good amount of money. And she told me, man, I have seen you mature over this time as you've paid that off. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that, you know, she helped that, that we'd help along the way to cover that. So one of the values that kind of came up in our church staff discussions about what, what values we hold here, it was the word generosity. We have a generous church. And I'm, I'm, I am so grateful to have people like you in our lives because you can see it in the finances. You know, man, the Lord blessed us. The building got paid off and people gave toward. That's a miracle. I meet pastors all over the place don't have those such stories. And we get to give the missions work. We get to help bless uh, other ministries and the work of the Lord. I love doing that. And then, you know, we get to be able to be generous when it comes to benevolence. I mean, those are things that, you know, are wonderful values with people. And, and you can see it in the people here. I mean, you know, we got solid people, solid relationship skills. And what people always say is that you're all so nice, man. I like that. You should pat yourself on the back. And I'm going to just walk through this second or this, uh, this eighth chapter. And I want to highlight what I call the, the genesis of generosity. Where does generosity come from? Where does it originate from? And what part about it is, is the value that we hold? So I want to just journey through this idea of generosity. And I'm here in uh, 2 Corinthians 8. When Paul said this, he said, We make it known to you by the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction and in the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, they abounded in the riches of their liberality. Here's what we could say in a nutshell. The Corinthian church, that's the church that he's writing to that's down by the, by the sea there, is a seaport town. They were wealthy. But the Macedonians were kind of like... You know, people living up in the foothills who were not as wealthy. They were poor. And so he said this about them, that I bear them witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, he said they were freely willing. Someone say willing. willing. 
So the first thing that we could highlight about where generosity begins, it starts, first of all, with a willing heart. That's what he said, freely willing. Greek word, interesting word, atheterios. And it means that it's a choice. It's a decision of your will to be a generous person, to be someone who wants to be a blessing to someone else. And sometimes people with little, the scripture says here, can give even beyond their ability. And that means so much to God. Because it's not the amount you give, it's the proportion that you give. And the lower you might be financially, that means that brighter that gift might shine. You can be poor and you can still be generous. Like Jesus talked about the woman with, who gave the widow's might. It's called a lira. And that was one 125th of a day's wages. This lady gave a nickel, maybe eight cents adjusted for inflation. Wasn't much. But the Lord said that was an amazing thing she did. And on the other hand, you can still be rich and be a fairly stingy person. I mean, think about the rich young ruler. When Jesus came to him and he said, what do I lack? He said, you need to go and give what you have to the poor. And he could not stomach the idea of parting with what he had and giving it away. You know, I think being willing is just important as being able. I used to think, you know, if I don't have big resources, if I don't have a lot to do and bless and give people, well, then it just doesn't count for much and it doesn't really matter that much. But what I've discovered is that God is pleased with my willingness, with as much as with the amount that I can give. He's pleased with that willing heart. That's where it begins with. And so I have made a decision that I have a willing heart. And this is something I'm always working towards. I'm, I'm willing with my finances. That's really never been an issue for me. You know, I've been a lifelong tither. Mom and dad taught me to tithe. And I give my testimony, like when I was a backslidden teenager, they made me go to church. I'd still tithe because I wanted God to bless my beer money. That's why I told people. <laughs> I, when the Lord moves on me, I want to give. I, I, I want to have that willing heart. If he's got something for me to do, I, I want to be willing to do that. You know, we were talking about, you know, the unique place of having the place paid for and, you know, why God blessed us in that way. I was talking with Pastor Daniel, Pastor David about it. David made an interesting observation. He said, none of us over here are money hungry. And I thought that was a really beautiful thought. That's a value. Like, like we're willing to, to give. We're willing, I'm willing to forgive other people, which has also not been hard for me. In fact, I found it's harder for me to forgive myself than it is to forgive somebody else. It's like, man, I, I put a harder emphasis on myself. So I've had a willingness to do that. Uh, I'm also willing to follow the Lord wherever he may go. Now, this one is a little harder on me because you have to follow the Lord into your future. And some of us are such control freaks that it's like, man, we, we want to micromanage every outcome and get the things we want. And, and following him is, is like, you know, just throwing yourself out there. But I was talking to my friend Eludi, the African bishop who was here a few weeks ago, I asked him, man, what's some of the hardest times you've been through in the ministry? And he told me something interesting. He said, the times when you question the most, you wonder, why am I in this moment? God, where are you leading me? How are you taking me to this place? I don't understand what's going on. He said, if you can stay faithful in those moments, he's found that on the other side of that is the most fruitful season you'll find. It's staying faithful in difficult things. So I've just made a decision. I am willing to follow the Lord with my heart. I have a willing heart, come what may. And I'm going to be generous. I'm going to trust God. And I like what the book of Isaiah said, the prophet. He said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. There's something about a willing heart and following after God and doing what he asks and being generous when he moves on you that brings the blessing of God to your life. Now, let me give you a second place where 
generosity originates. And it's in this fourth verse here. I'm just walking through 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Look at verse 4. He said he's imploring us with much urgency. I mean, he, he's trying to really just convey this idea. This is something that matters. That we receive the gift and the fellowship. That, that's the joy of being able to minister that gift to the saints. Now, here is a second place where generosity originates, where it begins. It begins with an internal unction, uh, an internal prompting. That, that, that's what John called an unction from the Holy Spirit. And it's that premonition you have in your heart that God is asking you to do something. Now, I don't know if you saw what happened at the Super Bowl parade in Kansas City where they had that shooting. Well, they interviewed a pastor who was right there a few moments before it began. And, you know, he was sitting there, and he watched it, and suddenly he was with his wife and kids. He had this feeling that he needed to go. And his wife then said, you know, honey, she looked at him, she said, I feel like we need to leave. So he said, well, if you feel that, and I feel that, let, let's go. And it wasn't more than three, four minutes later when they had a shooting that took place right where he was. And that was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. See, generous people are spiritually sensitive people. They can sense when the Lord asks them to move on something. They can sense the moment. There are certain moments you have with you're going to come across moments in life where you see a need and you feel urgency for it. I'll never forget the day we had a couple that drove in with a beat up minivan and they had broken accents because they were from Bulgaria and had no money, needed to feed their kids. And, you know, we kind of had to vet them and figure it out. But it was such a blessing to be able to do that and help that family. It was an urgent need. We could sense the moment. Sometimes what you sense is the pain. If the Lord prompts you to give, you kind of get that slight pain in your gut. I, I don't know if pain is the correct word to describe it, but it's like, man, when people feel like the Lord's asking them to give, sometimes they say, oh, brother, rather than, oh, boy, I get to give. It, it's, it's that certain thing you just have a prompting in your spirit. It's a little bit like, you know, your teeth. Your teeth are very sensitive. Like if you got hot water, you'll feel it. If you get cold water, or if you got, you know, a tooth that's got an ache and you bite down on it, it can cause a little bit of pain. And what that is is just, letting you know that you need to do attention to this thing. So when, when you feel that sensitivity in your spirit, I, I, I need to be a blessing. There's a need right here. Pay attention to that prompting. Th those are some of the best places to give. Uh, generous people, they sense the Holy Spirit. Now, Elizabeth and I, you know, we bought a home a few years ago from a hoarder. And I remember that was quite a mess to get through all that. And, and you know, we fixed it up. It was great. And then we begin to sense that the Lord had another home for us. So Elizabeth was praying one day, looking out the windows around Christmas time, snow everywhere. She said, I feel like we need to take some money and give it to a ministry and just believe that that's a seed for God to give us another home. And um, I was like, you know, it is Christmas and we ain't got no money right now, Elizabeth, in case you didn't know. And, you know, like, you know, if some money shows up in the mailbox, okay, fine. And, you know, I went out in that mailbox and there was like some you know, a check, you know, from like, I got a refund for like 200 bucks, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we sent that off, and it was, you know, a couple years later, man, we had a home just lined up, everything got it, had to fight off offers, but the Lord got us into that home, man. It is important to give when you feel prompted to give from the Lord, when you're sensitive to it. So be sensitive to the promptings of the Lord. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. What stops you is when you're not listening or sensitive to that prompting that takes place. There's an urgent need that you'll come across. That's what Paul's conveying. Hey, I got this need. And if your heart is stirred towards it, then that's a moment to give something. And that's why I like having offering boxes in the back. If you feel prompted, you can give. 
I'm not trying to force people. We don't hold you upside down and shake you. I'm not up here giving you a 45-minute offering message on something. I trust that God will move in your hearts to give and meet needs. And I'm so proud of you, man. You have been such a generous church. Amen? Amen. Third place where generosity originates. Look at verse number five. Paul said this, not only as we had hoped, but he said we first of all, someone say first. We first gave themselves to the Lord, and then he said you gave yourself to us by the will of God. Now, if you want to know where generosity originates, where it really comes from, it comes from a submitted lifestyle. They first of all gave themselves to the Lord. And what that means is you've accepted God's plan for your life. You, you've surrendered yourself. You, you kind of yielded to the will of God. And the word that kind of gives it away is that word first. They first of all gave themselves to the Lord. That's the Greek word protos. It, it, like protocol. It, the, where you give yourself over and... and and you establish a precedent. It's something that is ongoing. So my life, your life, has been bought with a price. That's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Glorify God with your bodies. That's what he said, you've been bought. So if you give yourself to the Lord, this is what I found out, giving money is a whole lot easier when you first of all giving yourself to the Lord. Because I'm giving myself to the Lord. It's a little bit like the story of the chicken and the pig with the farmer. Did you hear this one? Yeah, the, the chicken and the pig wanted to do something nice for the farmer because he said, man, this farmer's been so good to us. So he, the, the chicken said, I have an idea. I'll give the farmer some eggs and you can give him some bacon. And you know, for the chicken, that was an offering, but for the pig, that's like a total sacrifice. But that, that's what it means for you and me. Uh, we've given ourselves to the Lord. That means that when he moves on us, it already does belong to him. It's, it's, it's his. If everything belongs to God already, it's a lot easier for him to direct you when he puts his finger on you to be a blessing to someone. And it takes spiritually mature people to do that. It takes spiritual growth. It takes people who are willing to follow the Lord and submit to him in order for you to really give yourself over that way. I'm telling you, man, you're going to have a chance to submit yourself to the Lord on a daily basis. You got to submit your attitude. And when it comes to giving, you don't want to have an attitude that's reluctant or guilty. Because what giving does is it reveals your heart. And if you give with a bad attitude, you got to turn that frown upside down, right? Because <laughs> what it will do is destroy the seed you're sowing. Nothing is as joyful as being a blessing to someone else. And that's what I found. If I'm depressed and discouraged, I like to go find someone and be a blessing. If I feel like I need to be encouraged, I like to encourage somebody else. I, I just want to submit my attitude to the Lord so I can be useful in a great way. I submit my decisions to the Lord. You know, I, I'm praying, I'm obedient to God's word. You know, when, when the scripture says, give and it will be given to you, I, I apply that. If I feel like the Lord's moving on me, I'm, I'm gonna submit an attitude. I'm gonna submit a decision. I'll pray about it, I'll think about it, but I do know the Bible does teach generosity. So I, I have a decision formed, I pray about it. I ask God what to do. And we submit to one another. When he talked about this gift, he talked about uh, they first of all gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So there's something about being submitted one to another. When you give yourself to the Lord, relationships get very easy. You know that? I mean, that's what I've been teaching on the series, loving people. But, you know, when you feel disrespect rising up within you for the way that your knuckle-headed husband parked the car on the other end of the Costco parking lot, you may have to, you know, calm down, 
And, and you'll get convicted. You might even find yourself apologizing. And what that comes from is a, a submitted relationship with God. If you have given yourself to the Lord, that's a place where relationships get easy, life gets easy. You give yourself to the Lord, watch what he does, man. I mean, he, he will make you the head and not the tail, uh, above only and not beneath. And he'll give you true and lasting friends because you've given yourself to the Lord and you're trusting God. I'm going to be generous with you. I'm going to be generous with people. And I'm going to believe that it will come back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Will men put into your bosom? In the same measure you've sown, God will give it back to you. And he does it oftentimes through the way that people treat you. There's something about submitting yourself to the Lord and watching what happens in the relationships around you. Now, let me give you number four here. I'm just giving you ideas where generosity begins because we have a generous church and it's a wonderful thing to be used by God in a generous capacity. Look at verse six. He said, we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would complete this grace. Someone say grace. He said, he's going to complete this grace in you. He said, as you abound in everything, in your faith and speech and knowledge and diligence and in your love, he said, you're doing all these things and you're doing great and I'm proud of you and you're growing. But he said, see that you abound in this grace also. So don't forget, he said, to be a blessing to people. What grace is he talking about? And I think that what this is referring to is the gift of giving. And what I would call this is a spiritual gift. It's a grace. This is where generosity begins. Sometimes it's that charis. That's the, the Greek word. It, it, it's a gift that you have to be able to be a blessing to someone else. It's the gift of giving. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 8. It specifically mentions the gift of giving as a spiritual gift. And people who have that gift, they are people who love to bless somebody else because the gift is motivating. They're motivated by the thought that I can be a blessing to someone else. I can help meet a need. I can go out of my way to, to encourage and bless them. It's like Barnabas. You know, he, he sold his property and he laid it at the feet of the apostles. It's like Dorcas. There's a woman in the Bible who was raised from the dead, but she's remembered for doing good and helping people. She had the gift of giving. When you read the 12th chapter of Romans, it kind of gives the characteristics of gift-giving people. It tells us that people with a gift of giving uh, are people who give with liberality. That means they don't give with strings attached. They're not giving with some kind of expectation that I did this for you, and so you are obligated to give it back to me. They're not motivated that. When you give that way, you corrupt the very nature of giving. There's something about giving freely. to That's what Jesus gave us at salvation. It's a free gift. And when you give that way freely, man, that's, that's when you leave it in the hands of God to bless you. I mean, think about Joseph of Arimathea in the Bible. And another one I read about in the same chapter, John 19, was a man named Nicodemus that overlooked the verse. Joseph gave a tomb to Jesus. And Nicodemus gave 75 pounds of spices for the burial. That, that's, that's a huge amount of money. And neither of these guys expected a return on that investment. They were thinking to themselves, hey, you know, this is it. We want to give this man a nice, you know, funeral and a memorial. And little did they know their names would be recorded in the scripture and live forever because they were motivated by the idea of giving freely. It was just something the Lord moved on. It's a, it's a gift that's free. It tells us in Romans chapter 12 that people with the gift of giving distribute to the needs of the saints. When I think about distributing to people's needs, I think about the benevolence ministry. 
And I've got to be honest with you, man, this is a hard one to identify. It, it, sometimes you've got to evaluate the circumstance, work with people. You know, one agency we support is called Love, Inc., and we in a consortium of churches kind of work together so when people come with needs, we have a place to send them. And if they're serious about getting their finances set up and learning how to budget, not just getting fish but catching fish, we have a, a, an answer for them. But that isn't always the case. There's many times when people have a need that might be urgent, and we'll give something away, and you know what happens a lot of time is you, you give and you get nothing in return. Not a thank you note. There's no return on the investment. It, sometimes people you give to like that disappear. But if the need arises, I want to be a blessing. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 John that if you see a brother in need and you don't help meet that need, how does the love of God dwell in you? And I don't think that the Lord's looking at it like, oh, well, you gave money away and nothing happened with that. I think he sees the heart. I think he rewards on you. You're trying to bless and help people. Uh, the book of James says, if you see what to do and don't do it, it's sin. So there's a moment when, when you might want to be a blessing. And I'll tell you something. Right now, the biggest need people have, you know what it is right now in America? It's housing. I'm telling you, the more of the needs that we get are like, hey, I need help finding a place. I can't afford where I'm at. It's a very challenging time. And I know people struggle that way. And in Montana, it's no different, man. The house prices, the, co the cost of rent. So these are real things that people have. But when you have a gift that's motivating you, you want to see people blessed. And if you have that gift of giving, what I have found is you'll always be happy. You'll always be a blessing. It's a wonderful thing to bless somebody because you can't outgive God, can you? It feels so good to help meet a need in somebody's life. Let me give you a fifth thought here. Uh, and I'm here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. It's what I speak by commandment. Now, let me, let me just highlight this for you. Giving is really not a command. Tithing's not a command. What it is is a principle. It's a principle that if I'm going to put God first, if I am going to follow, if I apply that, God's blessing comes to my life. He's not commanding me. I'm not under obligation. We read the verse. You're not under obligation. You have an opportunity. It's a principle. It's something that comes from the heart. That's where generosity begins. So he said this, I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Do you want to know where generosity originates from? It originates from a sincere love that you have in your heart. It has to be willing. You got to move when you're prompted. You want to live a lifestyle submitted to the Lord and it's a gift at work. But when your love is sincere, when it's genuine, when it's authentic, that, that's where we find out how, how, how generosity works in your life. Just how real is your love for other people? You know, three times in the New Testament, he uses the phrase genuine love, sincere love for one another. So sincerity is an attribute of love, and I think that sincerity is a manifestation of generosity. Because let me tell you something. Your sincerity will be tested. I'll tell you what will be tested. It will be tested by people. People will test your patience. Come on, somebody. Because uh, they're annoying. They don't always say thank you. They don't always appreciate you. If you've got little kids, they ask for food in the middle of the night or water. And uh, they will push your limits. People just have a natural tendency to do that. Not everyone's got tact and people skills. So sometimes you're in situations where sincerity is really tested by people. Your sincerity will also be tested by money. And I think that might be the greatest test that you'll face. That's what tithing is. Tithing is a test. 
It's this idea that if you put God first, he, it, he will see it and he will bless the rest that you have, that portion. That is a test that we go through in life. If you want to really discover what it's like to be tested, God said, try me in it. Test me. See if I won't provide for you. You're going to be tested by trials. And the problem with trials is they can make you bitter. You know how I know that? I've been through some trials. And if you're down and frustrated and you get bitter about something, it is hard to be sincere. It's hard to express love. But when you just say, you know what, I'm submitted, I'm willing, and I want to be a sincere person, I can get through this moment and the Lord will be there for you. And sincerity is demonstrated by repetition and over time. He used the word diligence right here. Uh, He said, the sincerity of your love will be tested by the diligence that you show. Sometimes there's you know, that, that real sincerity you have to have that takes a little effort, it takes a little time, and you have to do it over and over and over again. That's how we know that you're sincere, because it's like love. Love is not an emotion. Love is a commitment. Love is a decision that you've made. And real love requires that extra mile, the 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 uh, extra effort you got to put into something. It, it, it's like your marriage, man. Your, your marriage is one of those things that, you know, when you're young and first married and you're sincere about that love, but if you don't develop it, if you don't work on that relationship, if you don't keep on dating your wife, it can be easy to lose the romance. That's why we got a marriage seminar taking place. <laughs> you you want to grow in your love, in your sincerity. It's the same thing with your family. You know, like, it's funny, man. I, <laughs> I was talking to a guy with a couple kids and he was like, well, we did a real good job with the first one, but we're worried about the fourth one. <laughs> it's because you put all the energy into one, and then you only have so much bandwidth for the rest of them. But sincerity is like, man, I, I am gonna, I'm going to give myself to make sure I can be the best parents I can be. It's the same thing with your church, man. There's a sincere love. Christianity is a covenant relationship, and through the blood of Jesus, you understand you and I are all in a covenant relationship one to another. We, we have a bond in the Spirit. And that's where sincere love takes place so we can help meet the needs of people, bless on people, encourage one another as the day draws near, the scripture says. So I am grateful for the fellowship of believers. I'm grateful for the sincere love that exists in this church. And I'm grateful for all the grandmas who've helped bless me, helped me pay off student loans, show up at Christmas. And I'm just so thankful, man, for good godly people in our lives that help us. Man, I'm grateful for that. Who, who wants to be a blessing to someone in need? Do you want to be a blessing? That's a good question to ask. Because you know what it would do? It would make you feel a lot better. I found out that like what happens with people, if they're down, they get so self-focused. When you're going through something and you're just down, and all you think about yourself and your problem and your trials, don't shout me down while I'm preaching because you know that's been you. Yeah. If, if you. One of the ways you get out of that is to be a blessing to somebody else find someone. You can, it doesn't have to be limited to money. You can bless in so many different ways. Just a smile, just an encouragement, hospitality. I don't even think I got to cover that. Hospitality is an act of generosity. And when you can be hospitable, when you can smile, when you can share what you have, it will be a blessing to somebody. I mean, it, it'll just, it changes their world. Maybe when you think about giving, you get a little upset because you, you have not been sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit when he moves on you. Because, you know, he'll, he'll prompt your heart. He, he will uh, impress you with something. 
And you got to listen for that voice. Now, a lot of times it's not that he's not speaking to you. It's that you're just not listening. You might have a hard heart. You might not be sensitive to him. You might be distracted. But I have found that some of the best times to be generous is when I have that inclination, that prompting, that desire that God put in my heart that I want to be a blessing. Man, that, that's a beautiful thing in the eyes. Of, and it does not have to be a lot. It can be just a little bit. Just a, that widow's might just that little thought, that, that little gift, that little word of encouragement, that little five bucks you put an offering on. It, it, it just, just a little bit could go a long way for the Lord. Yeah. Uh, maybe it has to do with lifestyle, man. Because I know people who, you know, they, they, they come to church, but it's not like they're totally sold out for the Lord. And what I found out is that one of the greatest keys to receiving God's blessing in my life, one of the greatest places that generosity flows from, is when I love God, when I love Him, when I am serving Him with all of my heart, when, when it's real in that relationship with God, it's like it's impossible for Him not to bless you. He blesses those that love Him. Eyes not seen, nor, is there, nor has uh, entered in the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. He's got good things ahead for you. I'm telling you, that is where the blessing of God comes. Because you know what happens when you do that? You become very generous. It's very easy to bless somebody. And that has to do with the sincerity of your love. The thing I can tell about people is that they, are, um, you, they can tell when you're sincere or not sincere. They can tell if you're putting a show on. I was thinking about this. We had an uncle in California. He had a beautiful home. Beautiful home. And he invited us over. But the whole way over there, mom and dad were like, you do not make this home a mess. You, you don't sneeze. You do not jump in the pool. I did that later, by the way. Uh, you know you've got to be quiet. And, you know, it was kind of hard to go there because it was like you felt like you're walking on eggshells. I like to go to people's homes, and uh, you feel welcomed. You know, sometimes the best pastoral thing you can do is walk in the home, make yourself comfortable, and eat a sandwich. Just make a sandwich out of the refrigerator. <laughs> I, like, I like people that are hospitable. You know, I, I can see sincerity, and that comes from genuine love, I'm telling you. So I don't know where you're at, man. I, I don't know if you just want to be... More, more generous. If you want to just say, Lord, I want to move on me when you prompt me. If you want to submit to him for, you know, let, let's just pray. If you want to be used by God in greater capacities to love on people. I thank you, Father, for the gift of giving. Mm. Ooh, I, <laughs> I thank you, Lord, oh, that you are good, merciful, and gracious to us. I pray that you prompt us more, more and more. I pray, for, I pray that we'll be prompted to give because you'd be, you'd, be you'd be speaking to us. I thank you, Father name of Jesus that we're going to be a generous, generous, generous group of people. Generous, generous group of people. Oh, Brother Paul. I overhear Paul Walter. Is Paul here? And there's this Paul. Where is the Apostle Paul, though? I don't know where he's at. You know, Isaiah 32, verse 8. You ever heard this verse? A generous man devises generous things, and by his generosity he will stand. Ooh, and Paul, I'm telling you, you've been so generous to so many people. And people don't see that, but God sees it. And I just feel like there, there's... By his generosity, he's going to stand. I feel like the Lord is going to uh, strengthen you, and you're going to stand in a broad place because of the things that you have sown. It's coming back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So, Father, I just thank you over this man. 
increase. He's standing in your plan, standing in your will. Mm. I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. What things God has prepared for those that love Paul. And I just thank you for standing. He's the Lord's God. He's, he's keeping you standing. He is going to stand. You're going to stand strong in the name of Jesus. Feel the Holy Spirit here. I appreciate you, generous group of people. Amen. Amen. I, I couldn't quit without reading one more verse here. All right. I love 2 Corinthians 8 9. Let's read the verse. He said, You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty could be made rich. You realize that God is the most generous person you're ever going to meet? He is more generous than any, than grandmas you have at Christmas. He is more generous than the U.S. government when it comes to doling out free money to people in other countries. I'm telling you, he's generous. Jesus is that example. He, he emptied himself of his divinity. That's called being rich. You got the idea of like Maseratis and Ferraris. That's not rich. Jesus in eternity was rich beyond your wildest imaginations and yet he left paradise and he lived as a poor man in Nazareth for one reason and that was that he might give us the riches of heaven I like Philippians chapter 3 my need can be met according to his riches in, in heaven in heavenly places in glory he, you realize that uh, he's made provision for you and I. This is the most incredible thing about the covenant relationship we have with God. He has made a way for you and I to have our needs met in this world. And if you will apply his word to your life, follow him, be generous when he moves on you, I'm telling you, every need that you have, he's able to meet. He's made provision for that. And he's made spiritual provision. I mean, the reality of heaven. He saved you out of your sin and save my soul from hell because of the provision he'd made. That's what happened at the cross. He, he's made a way. It's an amazing thing. You, for your sakes, it says, he was made poor so that you might be made rich. Do you realize Jesus was like all in? Totally in. And nobody in the room, no one I've ever met, has ever given on the scale that Jesus did. You, he, he gave everything he had. His life's blood. He died naked and bloody on a tree so that you and I could have needs met be with him in eternity. That is an amazing thought. So that means I'm all in. If he's all in, I got to be all in. It means I need to give my life to the Lord, surrender to him completely and totally. That's what, that's what it means. That verse is an amazing verse. So what he's looking for, my, my dear brothers and sisters, is not your money. He, he blesses people when we give and it helps fund the gospel. But what he really wants is your life which is worth far more than money. He's after everything. He was all in. He wants you to be all in. So I want to give you the opportunity this morning. Maybe you're not all in. Maybe you've been a clown and drifting around, and you know it. And you think, man, I haven't really given in the way I need to give. Ooh, I'll tell you what happened to me last night. I, I was up for a moment there, and I was just laying in bed, and I started complaining to the Lord. You ever done that? You ever been there complaining about life? Because you, you're just not happy with some things? And, and so I was kind of having this hard heart complaining a little bit. And the Lord reminded me uh, of a verse from John 21. It says it, that Peter would die and glorify God in his death. 
He spoke of the death that Peter would glorify God with. And that verse hit me, man. I mean, like, he, he was totally, Peter, Peter, Paul, the people who wrote the Bible, totally all in for the Lord. Are you all in for the Lord? And I just want to give you a moment, man. If it's time to repent, time to get right with the Lord, maybe you realize your heart's hard. I want to have you put your hand down, head down and raise a hand, and I will pray with you. I will pray to be totally sold out, commit, give, and not look back, give my life to the Lord. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Mm. Yeah. I want to pray that there be submission in our hearts this morning. Amen. So pray with me. Say, Father, thank you for your love. I receive it. Thank you for forgiving me of sin. And I want to give my life totally to you, submitted and surrendered, and to be a blessing everywhere I go and to everyone I meet. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Will you stand up with me? Hey, if you prayed that and you're sincere, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to just hear your story, encourage you. Amen. Good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If if you need prayer for anything, I'm telling you, the altars are open. If you need breakthroughs in your finances or you want to pray for your kids, we're here to pray with you. We love you very much. You can sign up in that marriage class for this week. It would be a good time to kick it off. Love you, love you, love you. God bless you. We'll catch you all next Sunday. Amen. Amen. Amen.